Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on today's Ask the Expert webinar, the Open Byte Challenge, Techniques to Approach the Correction of Open Byte with Invisalign with Drs. Bob Boyd and Maz Mashiri. It's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our first speaker today, Dr. Bob Boyd. Dr. Boyd holds degrees in both orthodontics and periodontics from the University of Pennsylvania. He is currently the Frederick T. West Endowed Chair of Orthodontics for the Department of Orthodontics at the Arthur A. Dugoni School of Dentistry of the University of the Pacific in San Francisco. Dr. Boyd has treated many patients with combined orthodontic and periodontic needs over the years and his own uh, in, in the years in his own practice and has focused his clinical research and publications on the relationships of orthodontic treatment to periodontal health and aesthetics. In this area, he has published 135 scientific articles, books, chapters, and abstracts, and given more than 450 continuing education courses and lectures to dental groups around the world. Between his research patients, private patients, and his teaching patients, Dr. Boyd has com uh, completed treatment on more than 1,000 Invisalign patients and is a member of the Clinical Advisory Board for Align Technology. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Boyd. Dr. Boyd, you now have the floor. Thank you very much, David. I'm very pleased to be here today to share my experience with uh, this open by treatment question. And my title will be Methods of Treatment and Long-Term Stability of Anterior Open by Treatment with Invisalign. And you can see on the left, this will be one of the patients that I'll be showing, uh, a pretty clinically significant uh, open bite and the eight-year uh, follow-up. So that's what we'll focus on. Now, basically, I want to do a brief review of the literature, just comparing conventional fixed treatment, orthognathic surgery, and microimplants, and Invisalign. And I want to touch on the subject, is open bite a health-related functional issue? And then I want to move into my case reports, which will be non-extraction and extraction. And it will be based on 35 consecutively treated patients, one to nine years post-retention. No orthognathic surgery or microimplants were used. And we'll show you about 14 today. And I do... I'm going to go quickly on this because we have a much more detailed uh, presentation on the Align Tech Institute that I and others like Bill Gary uh, collaborated on uh, available for CE credit. So looking at the literature with conventional fixed appliances, uh, the recent studies uh, which show out of Oregon and Washington and other places in Europe that relapse is very frequent. I mean, 40 to 80 percent, that's a lot. And also that anterior tongue position may be a, an important variable, and we'll come back to that. And that tongue habit reminders are helpful because they reposition the tongue posteriorly. Now, also, we have some very recent information uh, just in the last year and a half on the stability of posterior intrusion with microimplants. And it seems that that is pretty good with microimplants and probably better than the multi-looped edgewise archwire method of Kim. But, you know, in real life, what if the patient declines the microimplants or the plates? Now, here's a patient that I published a few years ago in the Journal of Clinical Ortho. And this patient had a very large open bite. And I wanted to show it to you because it was treated with microimplants, 
and had long-term follow-up. Now, as you can imagine, of course, a lot of patients really don't want this much hardware uh, and all of these surgically placed things. And here's the pre and post on that patient, and the superimposition shows that the molars were, in fact, intruded, upper and lower, and that the mandible rotated forward. Now, the question is, was that uh, maintained? And the answer is yes. Uh, the two-year follow-up showed good stability with the use of microimplants after the first year. So what about orthognathic surgery? Well, the studies are pretty clear that uh, for the long-term results, um, that if positive overbite is the main goal, then 35 to 52% of patients will not have positive overbite. Also, patients may not accept surgery, but still we know down deep that, of course, the very severe open bites are going to be treated surgically. Now, the next question is, can Invisalign-treated patients have acceptable long-term stability of anterior open bite? And right now, we only have case reports that I and others have done. Uh, we don't have a definitive uh, study yet. And I want to answer this question about the open bite as a functional health issue. And if you look at these pictures of this patient, you'll see that the amount of wear on the molars, which are the only teeth contacting, is quite significant for a person in her late 20s. And so a patient like this, of course, would continue to wear down the back teeth So, um, with no contact of their entry teeth. So I think it is clear that open bite is a functional uh, issue and can lead to less efficient mastication. Now we'll move into the case reports, and again, we'll do that very quickly. And, and really, the question we're going to focus on is, does Invisalign have better long-term stability? Now, here's the kind of case that drives the average <laughs> treating clinician crazy because this little girl comes in, she's a cute little girl, and she's got no bite and sucks her thumb. And as you can see with these composites, uh, we close that bite very nicely by blocking out the tongue with a tongue uh, habit appliance and that we got uh, contact of the incisors. We had some peg-shaped laterals, which were restored with composite. But the problem was there was a skeletal component to this and so what happened was that she opened again in the anterior. And, of course, this is just exactly the problem that I was mentioning, that 40 to 60% of patients who are treated with fixed-only appliances will develop an open bite. Now, if we look at the ClinCheck, and I'm only going to show you one ClinCheck because the message is quite clear uh, on all of these cases that the open bite is closed by very slow extrusion of usually the upper and lower anterior teeth. And we do it on the lower because that makes the correction uh, more uh, easy because you're going from both arches. Now, if we look at this patient, and uh, you'll see that uh, with attachments on the anterior, this is just basically the idea uh, is that when you treat a patient like this, you put the attachments on them and slowly uh, close the bite. So that theme will recur throughout all these cases that I will be showing you. Uh, one thing I did want to point out is that there is 
sort of a relative extrusion that occurs anyway when you tip a tooth back. So when these movements are also done in conjunction with tipping or rotational movements, there's an extrusive component that makes them even more successful. So here's the patient with their aligners on, and they did very, very well. And here she is six months post-treatment, showing pretty good stability. And here she is two years post-treatment, maintaining that stability. And so my point here is that I had great difficulty with this patient. I was very disappointed. And fortunately, I was able to use Invisalign to kind of bail me out. Now, here's another uh, interesting case. It's one that I published many years ago, uh, and uh, it shows an open bite on a teenager. It's one of the earliest uh, Invisalign cases. And you can see there are rotated teeth, but there's clearly uh, an open bite. And in those days, we used attachments that were just round, which didn't work very well. But this was a very cooperative patient, and as you can see, her teeth closed pretty well. Now, if you look at the slide on the left, you'll see the vectors here are for the incisors to rotate and to be extruded, and in this case, slightly retracted. And what that does, again, is invokes a extrusive component to the, uh, the other movements, invoke a, a, an extrusion component, and that makes the center of resistance move uh, incisally. Here's the frontal view, and again, showing um, very good closure, and the uh, supplementary superimposition showed that now she did grow a little bit, so you can see the, the chin coming forward, but there was no change, and this is a recurring theme, no change in mandibular plane angle and no extrusion of the molars, which the studies have fixed would show that that was uh, just the opposite. Now, why does Invisalign do this? Now, this is just my hypothesis. But I've thought about this a long time, and I think really what's happening here is that the molars tend to uh, contact first because of the hinge opening of the mandible. And so there is a force, bite force, on the posterior teeth, and that bite force tends to keep the molars from extruding and, in fact, actually intrudes them a little bit. And we know there's a three-to-one ratio here. So if each aligner is three-tenths, that's six-tenths times three. That's 1.8 millimeters in the uh, anterior area um, uh, of closure. So in conjunction, then, with this uh, posterior intrusion, uh, we do this slow extrusion in conjunction with other movements as needed. And the idea behind that is that the incisors are slowly extruded with no eruption of the molar. But most importantly, the tongue is blocked out during the treatment and may, in fact, move distally. I don't have scientific evidence on that, but that seems like a reasonable uh, explanation. Now, let's look at a few more cases. Now, you might say, well, this isn't really much of an open bite, Doc. But, you know, on the other hand, if you think about trying to round out that arch, that V-shaped arch, and if you think about the fact that these incisors are just barely touching in only parts of their anatomy, uh, with the expansion, we know from fixed cases that these can be very tricky, especially if the skeletal pattern is a so-called high-angle uh, patient. And you can see by SNGOGN at 43, that were about almost three standard deviations on the high side 
uh, of the so-called long-faced high angle. So this would be a pretty tricky patient. In the past, I would have said surgery or micro-implants or plates. But now I can offer them Invisalign. And as you can see, this is one year post-treatment, and the bite has closed very nicely. Uh, this is the left side, and you can see again, the bite has closed very nicely and uh, has remained closed for the first year. And the cephalometric superimposition, which you almost have to look twice to see, is, is two. There's two different colors, but there was essentially no change in the mandibular plane angle. And this being on the same machine with a very good uh, duplication of cellotersica, we can really depend on this particular uh, tracing as being pretty accurate. And you'll see, again, no molar extrusion, no opening the mandibular plane, and this sort of uh, uprighting and a little bit of extrusion of the molars, if you look at the apices on the, or the incisors. So here he is six years later, and uh, he's back to see he doesn't like these black triangles. He got a graph down here, and uh, so we're going to do actually a little uh, express case with just some IPR uh, just to uh, close those black triangles. But he's been working out with the bleach, as you can see, and he is a very happy man. He actually made a very large contribution to our school uh, because of this treatment. So six years later, you know, he's, he's not wearing his retainers as well as possible. And that's an important point is that what I'm telling you today in stability does not depend on the patient being a perfect retainer wearer because many of the patients I'll show you today are not very good, and he was one of them. And you can sort of see that there are some slippage of uh, alignment issues there. Now, let's look at another one. Now, this one is more of an open bite because the teeth, several of the teeth don't touch. But more importantly, it's also a posterior crossbite on one side. And we know from previous experience that when you go expanding the arch, that invariably the molars will uh, extrude with almost any appliance except Invisalign. And so if we look, this is a pretty normal skeletal vertical relationship. And so the treatment, again, was just what I showed in the beginning, uh, where the incisors uh, slowly come down in conjunction with their rotational movements. But I also want you to notice that the posterior crossbite was corrected with no uh, apparent opening of the bite, which would be just the opposite of what I would expect from most of our approaches uh, for posterior expansion. Now, if we look at the superimposition, you'll see that, again, mandibular planes, no variation, and that the molars didn't extrude, and that the incisors did extrude a little bit uh, to contact. So here he is three years later. Now, he's not wearing his retainers very well. You can see that because he's had a little space open up here. So at this visit, I just said, well, if you want to get rid of that space, you need to go back, wear these things for a few weeks and close it and then go back to nighttime and not miss so many nights. But at any rate, the posterior crossbite um, was corrected, and you can see that uh, between initial, post, and three-year retention that we've had good stability. Now, I might add, though, that what I would do now is I would establish about two millimeters of overbite on the ClinCheck. And I think in these days, these are earlier cases, and I was just glad the incisors touched. So, but now I have much more confidence in, in what I'm doing and, and the stability, so I would set it for a deeper overbite. Now, here's the kind of case that will make your day, because if you think about doing this case with fixed, 
you might use uh, an open coil, for example, in here to try and upright those molars and move the premolar mesially because the dentist wants more space in here on the lower right posterior uh, to place an implant. But the problem is she's got an open bite. So what happens when you unilaterally upright molars on one side? In my experience, you get some opening of the bite. So it goes from having a little bit of an open bite to a worse open bite. And that's a big problem because you may wind up either doing a lot of a selective grinding on the teeth or using micro, needing microimplants or even surgery. So here it is uh, after the uh, Invisalign. And uh, it's showing that we got our space very nicely. We uh, tipped that molar back with a couple of vertical rectangular attachments and maintained our nice class one occlusion on the left side, but got that by uh, closed. And, and basically here, uh, I am getting about two millimeters of uh, overbite. So you can see the pre to the post, uh, a nice result. We did some uh, IPR but at this point, I felt like we couldn't do any more IPR between the upper central incisors because these black triangles, I've kind of hit the limit of what I would take off with uh, Noy of enamel. Now, again, comparing this, uh, the dentist was very pleased because he was able to go in and put the implant in there. And, of course, the implant helps with the stability of the uh, occlusal correction. Now, what we can see on this shaft, though, between the initial and final, is the same pattern I've been showing all along. In other words, that the ceph traces up very nicely, non-growing adult. Molars didn't extrude, and uh, the incisors came together. And here we are two years post-treatment, and as you can see, the implant has been done, and there's very good stability in the front. And so this patient was, was very pleased. Now, here's the patient I showed in the opening slide. And this is what I would consider to be a more significant yet open bite because the patient has a bit of a high angle mandibular plane. The open bite itself is, is of greater magnitude, and there's a posterior crossbite. So we have a lot of things going for us. So this lady, when I first saw her, I said, you're, you know, you're a jaw surgery patient. And But she came in, wanted Invisalign, didn't want extractions, you know that routine. And uh, so I said, well, we could do some IPR and bring your incisors back. And I wasn't sure I could close this bite. And in the early days of Invisalign, you had a lot of problems within a lower uh, right uh, lateral incisor, like where the uh, cursor is now, because it's a long axis problem. So we had to rotate that, and we were rotating those teeth too fast. But finally, after two case refinements, I got the lower incisor finished. But by doing some additional correction, usually I ask for two millimeters of additional buccal overjet and a crossbite correction from expansion, uh, you can see that we've had a uh, pretty good uh, result. And the most important thing is that she also, because of the IPR, a la Jack Sheridan, he taught me that many, many years ago, I give him credit, for doing IPR and then trading the space that you get from the back teeth to the front and using that to retract the incisors. And you can see a pretty good uh, result as far as her protrusion. Now, four years later, she seems to be holding up pretty well. She's not wearing her retainers very well. In fact, her lower incisors are starting to crowd, and I had to put a bonded retainer. 
And she had that on for a while, but then that broke, and then she said, geez, let, let me just wear those retainers. But the problem was she was never a very good retainer wearer. But uh, nevertheless, uh, and this lady has, uh, she's a newscaster, uh, and she is very, very pleased with this result. She thinks she's very beautiful, and so do I. Now, here's a case that, again, this could be a very difficult case for you because the guy has already been treated twice. He's a very smart guy, and he understands. He's a computer engineer. He knows all about everything. He's been <laughs> looking at Invisalign, watching it develop. And then he saw that I had published an article, an early article on Obite. So he found me on Google, I guess, and said, can you do that? And I said, well... I don't know. This is back a number of years ago. I said, we'll give it a try. I can certainly straighten your teeth and bring them a little closer together. But at that, that point, I certainly wasn't guaranteeing uh, the, the stability of the open bite. But what was nice was that we got that bite closed. Uh, and at that time, I didn't even fuss with elastics, class 2, class 3 combination to get that midline. Um, because I was worried about extrusion. Now I would have no problem going in there with a class 2, class 3 uh, elastic pattern. And this is one of our uh, previous uh, superimposition methods on Quicksef that we used about 10 years ago. And uh, you can see, again, no change in the mandibular plane angle and no extrusion of the molars. And here he is uh, after treatment. And, of course, now we would use the new G4 extrusion attachments for this, which work more efficiently and seem to track extremely well. And here he is four years later. Now, I've actually seen this guy three years after this, but unfortunately uh, we didn't get any pictures. But he's holding up pretty well, as you can see. Now, here's yet another variable, because in this case we have a class 2 subdivision on the right side. So you say, well, that's not much of an open bite. And I say, well, you know, the two canines are up in the air there and bringing them down. We all know when you put an arch wire in there, bring those canines down. A lot of times the incisors, which are kind of edge to edge or in cross bite, uh, will intrude a little bit and you'll get more of an open bite. And then pulling a unilateral class 2 elastic for uh, two years, which is what it took to treat her, um, you know, was also uh, something that might uh, affect the vertical dimension by unilateral extrusion of the molars on the side. You're using all the class twos. Now, as you can see, we've got a beautiful uh, class one occlusion, and I think now it's pretty well accepted that uh, these kinds of class two corrections end on molars and so forth are nicely corrected with Invisalign. And if you go to Align Tech Institute, website, you will see just lots and lots of uh, these class 2 patients treated very successfully. And here she is one year after that, um, and um, she's a very beautiful woman, very happy with her smile. She's glad she didn't have to get braces. And the good news was that I, at this point, by this time, I was starting to get some pretty good confidence about closing uh, open bites. This is about five, six years ago. Now, we're also using the new hooks, the uh, G3 uh, hooks, precision uh, hooks, and they work very, very well. And I have gone back to button cutouts, though, on the molars. And why would I do that? The reason why is because there's some aligner lift when you pull on that elastic uh, if it's a precision hook on the molar. 
So you can either put an attachment on the adjacent teeth or go back to a button. To me, the button's a little better because it kind of sticks out when they're not wearing their aligners, and it serves to remind them to wear their aligners. So I'm back to using buttons on the molars for my hooks. Put them on once, and there they are. And this is just showing uh, a patient that I am doing where we are getting some aligner lift because the elastic is lifting uh, the posterior part of the aligner. Now, you can also see, of course, I use teen routinely because I like the uh, blue compliance indicator. And you can see, I mean, when I look at a patient like this, two weeks and that thing looks like that, I know the patient's been wearing it. And uh, so, again, you know, at this point, though, I, he accepted it, but I think the main thing was that if I wanted to prevent this aligner lift, I would have had to put a 5-millimeter horizontal bevel attachment on that first molar. And I usually use the second molar and the upper first premolar as the um, teeth that I place the elastic, place it a little further back in the mouth. Now, here's a case that I showed in the beginning when I asked the health question about wearing down the teeth. And as you can see, uh, this is the kind of case been treated a couple of times before. Uh, she knows, she's been told by everybody she needs surgery. And uh, she's also got a lot of recession. And, of course, we see somebody like this. And one thing we do know is that there's going to be more recession over the next 10 years. That was the first thing I told her, that this is an ongoing process. You have very thin gums. It wasn't because the orthodontist expanded your arches, like some people might say, because there was premolars extracted. I always love it when somebody says that. Well, that's because they expanded your arch. So, but at any rate, how are we going to treat this patient? And so we did the exact same thing that I showed you all along. Now, the only difference here was that we did get some lengthening of the length of the clinical crowns, maybe a millimeter or so in the two years of treatment. And uh, we also had more of a posterior open bite. This was a little bit earlier case, too. Um, and so usually what we do for these is we just let them settle with the aligners, but if it's not gone by, you know, three months of nighttime wear, the retainers usually would go in with some elastics and pull it together. Here she is uh, a year later, and you can see the, the posterior bite is pretty well closed on this side and almost closed on this side. But again, probably now I'd put some up and down elastics on some clear buttons just to pull those molars together a little bit more. You can see on her uh, three, her superimposition of all three time points. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, I don't trace these things, and I'm not, you know, I just say, you know, the residents trace these. And But look, from pre to post to one-year retention, we're actually seeing some closure of the mandibular plane and some forward movement of the chin. And that's pretty interesting because you can see by the cella area that we've had a very, very good superimposition here. So, because on the, an adult, we can really see these changes because they're not growing. So, very interesting, no extrusion of the molars and actually some intrusion of the lower molars. I'm not going to claim that every time, but I have seen it, uh, you know, here and there on these cases as well. Now, let's look at an extraction case. And this is a very old Invisalign case. It's probably one of the first 60, 50, 60, 70 patients treated with Invisalign. We were trying to figure out if it could do it. So we tried some harder cases, and uh, this is back in the late 90s, and um, we were just starting to use some attachments. This case went on a long time, went on over three years. And we had a, a 
necessity is the mother of invention. So I, I came out with something which I called root helpers. <laughs> How's that for something that patient can understand? Uh, to parallel those roots, I think, uh, let's see, I think I have, yeah, on uh, this side you can see the aligner is acting as a base arch, and I still do this if I get off track, although these new G4 uh, root movement um, attachments seem to be working very well. I would say at this point since last October, we, they're all tracking pretty well, uh, but I haven't finished an extraction case with them yet. And so the idea here is this is a gable bend, and it's going to bring those roots together, and then there's a figure eight tie here. And we just cut the aligner, put the clear brackets on there. Actually, I use metal ones now, very small metal ones, lower incisor brackets. And But you can see what the problem was here. This was a big, long axis problem. So in the early days of Invisalign, I mean, you were not, because our attachments were only half to three-quarters of a millimeter thick, which wasn't really thick enough to uh, grab the aligner. So we almost always needed, unless there was a lot of tipping involved like there is on the upper arch for an extraction site. So here is his uh, post, pre, and post. And you can see that, again, no change in mandibular plane angle. And you'll see that the molars didn't extrude. Now, this is an extraction case. So we're now we're moving up the ante here significantly as far as potential to... Uh, you know, create more of an open bite. Here he is, his new wife dragged him in here, and he doesn't really want any more treatment, but she said, well, your teeth just aren't quite there. And, of course, she had perfect teeth. And I said to him, I said, you know, I said, do you want treatment? He said, no. <laughs> so I said, well, there's nothing wrong with that little uh, extraction space opening up. It stayed pretty good on the side where I paralleled the roots. Probably should have used the root helpers on this side, too. And, uh, and, and of course, under-torqued. I mean, this is a classic of, of our cases in the early days because we didn't have power ridges. Now I'd set the torque, of course, appropriately. But still, good stability of the open bite correction. That's the point I wanted to make there. Now, here's another kind of case to drive you crazy. This was one that was treated. Uh, she comes in to see me. Now, this is her pre first phase of ortho, she had a full round of fixed, and they extracted the canines. Now, that, as you can see, probably wasn't a good idea because uh, there wasn't much root left on the laterals or one of the centrals. And so I get to see her either at this point, and, and of course, she's got a, he's been using up and down elastics. They just took the braces off the top and basically had given up. So I knew this one was probably going to relapse more. And so, of course, what I did was to give it a rest. Uh, you know, we know that from studies and root resorption, three, four, five-month pause, you can go back and start to treat again without worrying about root resorption. And, of course, uh, after her settling, which I think was somewhere seven, eight months, nine months maybe, I wanted to get her to a stable relationship as far as the open bite and then treat her. But, you see, this is a pretty big open bite. And uh, I think it's important to uh, kind of note here that uh, we got that open bite closed very nicely. Could have done a little better job on the right side. Uh, but as you see, uh, a year later, things had settled in pretty nicely. And the interesting thing, of course, was that there was no additional root resorption. Now, of course, this is an orthodontic root resorption anyway. This is root resorption that's caused by the movement of the canine into the root. So this is a different kind of root resorption. So I didn't really think she was that predisposed to root resorption anyway. Um, 
Now let's look at another one again, an early case, extraction case, and we're using now finally one millimeter attachments. I even went to one and a half. Boy, they were hard to get the aligners off. And uh, so pretty good result, nice result on the open bite. And you can see I did use root helpers. Now, this is much more frequently on the lower arch because of the bone being harder to move the roots together. Uh, but again, so far the G4 uh, root paralleling attachments look look pretty interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Now, one thing I would say is that... Um, Oh, yeah, just on, on the Ceph, again, the same thing. No opening mandibular plane, no extrusion of the molars. Now, and, again, this is an extraction case because arch wires work on the crowns, which always have a extrusive component, whereas the aligner has just the opposite. It has an intrusive component by biting on it. And she's very happy, uh, very nice lady, Oh, you used to always bring me uh, gifts, you know, candy, and <laughs> I needed that, cookies. But nice lady, very happy. Now, you can also see that these incisors are, you know, pretty badly under-torqued. And, again, this is well before we had power ridges. So now, now I would be putting in probably about 35, 40 degrees of torque on those incisors and expecting to get back probably uh, 25 or so uh, degrees of torque. So we can do a much better job now. Now here's a case, yet a more severe open bite with also severe crowding. And of course she's got the same problem as that other patient. She's got this generalized long clinical crowns. And what I know from experience as a periodontist being involved in these cases for years is that she uh, probably is going to get some, the, this is going to increase. You know, we get them on a, a, a power toothbrush, a Sonicare, Oral-B usually, and, uh, and then that way they stop this uh, abrasion because most of this is toothbrush abrasion. I don't accept the theory that this is uh, flexure of the crown and snapping away of the enamel. Just don't buy that one. Peridons don't buy that. This is, this is toothbrush abrasion. And uh, anyway, um, you can see that when you see something like this with a lower incisor with a root going like this, you're not, you can get this with Invisalign. You can spend a long time with it, uh, and you need a vertical rectangular attachment. And, of course, uh, she also has a high mandibular plane angle. So this one's got it all. Except the only thing she didn't have was a crossbite. So, of course, this uh, patient... And you can see from the panel that the long axis of the canine and incisor roots is, is quite a bit off. And so that's going to make your extraction space closure uh, just that much more difficult. We actually got it on the upper, though. We got the spaces closed and so forth. But we did wind up putting, now in this case, instead of a segment of root helpers, we went around the arch because we also had that lateral incisor I pointed out which had the root apex measly uh, tipped. So, and, and this is typically what I do right at the end. You know, if we have a little bit of uh, open bite, I'll just throw on some buttons and some elastics, pull those teeth together. They wear a, a, a partial aligner just to keep the front teeth straight, just an anterior section. And then they go back once these teeth are pretty much together. But when you're doing this much treatment, sometimes the, the posterior open bite can be more significant. So
So here she is, uh, six months post, and she's holding up pretty well. She's wearing her retainers pretty good, mostly full-time to this point. And here she is two years after that, and she's holding up well. Uh, her open bite, of course, has been very stable. And, uh, and I saw her. I have some pictures now of four years on her and because uh, I'm documenting all these cases. I actually give them free retainers if they come back and see me and let me take additional photos. Um, now, let's move up the ante even more. Now, here's, here's a real open bite. This is one that I told this lady, I said, this is about, you know, 10 years ago. When I first saw her, I said, you're a surgery patient. She said, I know that, but I don't want surgery. And I also don't want braces. And I said, well, you know, you're kind of out of luck. And she kept being persistent. She came back to see me about every three months. She said, you figured that out yet? And I finally said, you know, what I'll do, we had a, I'll show you, we had to take one premolar out here uh, because we had a bit of a midline problem and that premolar needed to be extracted. But other than that, I said, look, I can straighten your teeth with Invisalign and I can close the bite some. I'm not sure if it would stay closed because this is a while back. And so it, this was very interesting to me because we got the initial closure, which I thought I would never get with just one case refinement. And this one was published in the JCO in 2007. And, but what was interesting, when she went on the heavier uh, retainers, you know, which are 0.4 thickness, so point eight total, uh, you get even more closure in the front. And, and because it's probably blocking the tongue out full time, at least that's my hypothesis, that, um, you know, it seems to be stable. This is probably the most interesting finding I have found yet with Invisalign, is that it works better in open bites. I would not say that about any other treatment uh, compared to fix, but it clearly works better than fixed only for open bites. Now, you talk about a steep and different plane angle. I mean, it's 33 plus or minus 4 degrees. I mean, she's like one-tenth of 1% 1 high angle here uh, when you look at norms. Almost doesn't have a gonial angle, almost a straight line. So this is a real severe skeletal open bite with, of course, an accompanying open bite. And... Um, so, but we got it, and we got a nice result, and she actually, her teeth settled in better vertically. And again, now I would be much more ambitious with my initial ClinCheck, and instead of thinking maybe they'll touch if I'm lucky, now I would say I, I expect to get two millimeters of overbite. And she's gotten some crowns. This is where we had to take that one tooth out here, and I, I sort of got away without a root helper here, although... Uh, she certainly knew that I might have to do that in the extraction space. And probably that came in. It's not perfect anyway. It's a little vertical. But as we say, it's probably close enough for government work, right? And uh, But looking at her side view, um, she's got a serious open bite. And again, more improvement down the line. And her CEF, now this is really interesting because I can tell you flat out, I don't think I could have gotten this result under any circumstances with braces, I think the bite would have opened more and it would, it's a surgery case, period. And so I think showing a case like this, which is sort of a more extreme example, shows that, that as you get better with this appliance, you can treat more and more difficult uh, patients. But again, no extrusion of the molars. 
uh, even closing an extraction space on one side. Here she is three and a half years later, and she seems to be doing just fine. Her teeth still touch. Uh, but again, I would have I would have had her into a little deeper overbite because you know functionally we think that's better because they can get that lift off of their posterior teeth when they go on excursions. Now we're winding down here towards the end, so what I'm doing is now I'm pulling out another one, a long-term case, a uh, very great lady, um, and we did four buys on her, and she had some perio issues um, and. Uh, you know, lots of stuff, including a big open bite, lots of protrusion, lip incompetence. And so I told her, she said, because she said, I want Invisalign, and I don't want jaw surgery. I said, well, <laughs> I'll, give it a, I'll give it a try. I said, I'll try it. And we'll, you know, backing it up with a possibility of braces, which we did need for the lower arch root helpers. But other than that, we're well underway. You can see 15 months into treatment, the bite is closing. And here she is at 29 months. Of course, this is a long, hard case. But for a patient not to have jaw surgery, I mean, that's huge for them. And you can see we're just finishing it up now. Probably didn't get perfect root parallelism here on the right side, but not, not too bad. Probably clinically acceptable. And uh, so here she is, 38 months. Again, this case, this treatment went, you know, uh, well over three years. And, um, but again, she's wearing the aligners. Now, this, this is a little lower. Usually, we want the aligners to fit better than this, but I, I just took a picture with that. I think it's not quite fully seated. But if I see an aligner fitting like that, they don't get any new aligners until that thing's fit. Now, here she is five years post-treatment now, and I can tell you flat out, that open bite is in there. I mean, it's, and she is actually a pretty good retainer wearer. And But this one also had that huge class, too. So she had a posterior crossbite. I mean, she had it all. If you look at this again, posterior crossbite, huge open bite, crowding, protrusion, uh, just everything you could think of in the way of difficulty. And I take these cases. The patients have to understand that it's this is extremely difficult uh, treatment with any kind of appliance, but most patients, given the choice, of course, between Invisalign and Invisalign or fixed and surgery, though, obviously, or microimplants are going to choose the Invisalign. There's no doubt about that. I actually kept the buttons on her because she was wearing elastics at night. She had about a millimeter of non-contact, which, interestingly enough, over the few years of retention I've seen her, that close, so I took those buttons off a couple of years ago. But she's doing great. I just saw her recently. Now, let's look at another one where, again, I'm sort of thinking, you know, open bites are working good. But I looked at this guy, and I thought, this is a surgery case. And But then, you know, we start talking about microimplants. I said, we got an early start on that. If you look at the uh, May JCO, you'll see in the editor's uh, column, Bob Kine was very kind to me. <laughs> Gave me more credit than due, but we, we did publish uh, one of the first articles, in, or first article in North America anyway, on microimplants from our uh, Korean friends, Char Hall Beck and Judy Wu. And uh, so anyway, we learned in ni- basically 1999 how to use them, 98, 99. And so this guy, well, are we going to be able to close that bite? And... Now, interestingly enough, he wasn't 
as much of a skeletal component. It was just that he had a big open bite. He also had some breathing problems, uh, mild sleep apnea and snoring. Now, so this one, I went ahead and used some microimplants, and we first started with one here to kind of intrude this, but then we put another one back here because we wanted to get this vector with more posterior intrusion. Now, we don't have to uh, bond the uh, buttons on the aligners, which didn't hold very well. Now, with precision hooks, uh, you place them where you want the elastics to go, facing opposite directions. And that seems to be working pretty well. we got about six, seven cases going like that now. Now, what's interesting in this case is that uh, 16 months into treatment, we took a Ceph, and he had already closed uh, three degrees. See, I think the difference here is that uh, it wasn't just the extrusion of the anterior teeth, which, which we are doing, but we felt that this one was probably severe enough. We needed to intrude the posterior teeth. Um, now, Dr. Mishuri is going to come up here in a minute, and he's going to show you a method that he got from Dr. Dian in Canada, and, you know, he'll talk about posterior molar intrusion. And, yeah, this is where the microimplants went, and then uh, so now we would have them with the uh, aligner with a precision hook, and you can just basically put that elastic, a box elastic, wherever you want it. But look at the difference in his face. I mean, he's had a nice change uh, 21 months into treatment. Unfortunately, his dad died at this point, and uh, he just came back about six months ago, and I'm just finishing him now, but he took a year-and-a-half break. So my opinions, not law, not evidence yet. The transition to retainers is easier for clear aligner patients as it's the same appliance. I mean, going to a Holly framework fixed is not an easy transition. And I'll use the word may because uh, this is not proven yet, but in my hands I've had probably the most consistent results with any particular kind of malocclusion that I've treated at least in my 35 years uh, as an orthodontist. So here I am now after major uh, plastic surgery, um, and this is the post-op. Only kidding. Thank you very much. Dr. Boyd, thank you very much for a great presentation. Um, we're going to go ahead and, and switch the ball over to Dr. Mashiri. So, Kirk, if you could make that happen for us, thank you. And Dr. Mashiri, um, you're on now. We'll go ahead and have you share your desktop. So it's now my distinct pleasure to introduce our second speaker uh, today, Dr. Maz Mashuri. Dr. Mashuri attended Emory University to receive his BS degree in neurobehavioral biology. He then went on to obtain his doctorate, master's in oral biology, and certificate of advanced training in orthodontics from the University of Louisville. Upon graduating from dental school, Dr. Mashuri graduated in the top of his class and was honored with the American Association of Orthodontist Student Award two International College of Dentist Awards for both leadership and for professionalism, the Oral Biology Award, the Omicron Kappa Delta Award for Outstanding Graduating Senior, and Honorary Introduction Induction into the Prestigious Academic Society of Omicron Kappa Upsilon. So without further ado, I'll turn the program over to Dr. Mashiri. Dr. Mashiri, you now have the floor. Thank you. I'm uh, very honored to be with you all here today to speak on Invisalign. I wanted to uh, first thank Dr. Boyd for his presentation and for all of his efforts in furthering the advancement of uh, the appliance. We are uh, indeed quite 
fortunate to be able to gain from his wisdom and experience with the appliance since its inception and with its progress over the years. I also want to quickly thank some of my mentors, uh, being namely my father, who's my partner, and also uh, some of the other pioneers with Invisalign, Dr. Brandt, Dr. Diane Daher, and Perlmutter. Uh, obviously, individuals listening to the call today are interested in furthering their knowledge with the appliance, and I would strongly recommend getting onto the uh, Align Tech Institute site and listening to their lectures. There's a lot to be gained, and uh, you will definitely have more confidence going back into the clinic when listening to their educational uh, CE courses online. That being said, I want to go to my disclaimer here as well, and that the statements and views and opinions expressed here are those of my own, and that Align Technology may not endorse such statements, views, or opinions, and attendees are responsible for legal and regulatory compliance of any marketing and referral programs. And now on to the open bite challenge. So the treatment of open bites is a difficult task as a practitioner either has a challenging skeletal etiology to address, an equally challenging environmental condition, or usually a combination of both. So as with anything in orthodontics, successful treatment will depend on proper diagnosis of the etiology and shaping components. And the knowledge of this will then determine the mechanics needed for closure. For our first case, I want to present this young lady. She uh, came to our office about four years ago, and we had just came back from Costa Rica, and we were really gung-ho on the abilities of Invisalign. And she really made me believe in treating open bites with liners. She presented to our office with a chief complaint of orthodontic relapse from previous two rounds of orthodontic treatment. She had undiagnosed large tonsils. She was tongue-tied and also had a resultant lower tongue posture. She also had clicking of her right TMJ, but was asymptomatic regarding pain and normal function with maximum opening and lateral excursives. If you'll notice off her panoramic x-ray, however, we did have a surprise. She had severe root resorption of her upper anterior teeth, her lower anterior teeth, and even some of her molars. Here are her PAs confirming what we have just seen. And on her CEPH, it is easy to see that her upper incisors have also been flared forward. However, her mandibular plane angle and her IMPA are within normal limits. And thus, for her treatment plan, one of our main concerns was normalizing her oral facial harmony in favor of allowing for proper tongue posture. Thus, before treatment, she did undergo tonsil and adenoidectomy, lingual phrenectomy, and speech therapy. She then had all of her wisdom teeth extracted. With the consult of a periodontist, it was deemed that the prognosis was poor for the longevity of the upper incisors. Thus, another goal of treatment was to provide for a proper arch form, both upper and lower, to set her up for implant replacement of the upper two to two. Our plan for doing this was to address the upper uh, arch forms and give her some nice expansion and to allow for retraction of the upper anterior teeth. We also wanted to address the mandibular two-size excess with IPR on the lower to properly coordinate the arches and also to prevent any further recession of the lower left uh, lateral incisor, as you can see. And here's her ClinCheck. So please notice on the upper left here that the lower arch is being leveled and that we are using IPR to control flaring of the teeth forward. If you'll notice from the occlusal view on the maxilla and also the frontal view, we are getting expansion and retraction of the upper anterior teeth. 
given the severe amount of root resorption she had, we did not want to put any attachments on the upper anterior teeth as to not put any undue stress on the incisors. I did, however, ask Align at this time to slow down the movements to the minimally acceptable clinical velocity to hopefully increase the predictability of what was to happen clinically. Here is another view demonstrating her movements. A key for predictability of extrusive movements is to make as many of these movements as relative as possible, meaning that the ClinCheck is showing extrusion as a result of the incisors being retracted from arch expansion and correction, or IPR. As seen here, as the arches expand, the upper incisors are also being retracted and extruded. This movement should preferably occur on a one-to-one -one basis, meaning that for every quarter millimeter of expansion, for example, an equal amount of retraction and extrusion should also be occurring. Request this in your ClinCheck and watch for it, as this type of movement is predictable clinically. And here is her finish. Please notice the increase in overbite, proper arch form coordination, and the improvement of periodontal health for the lower anterior. Here's her Seth illustrating the method of closure, which again was upper anterior retraction and relative extrusion. Her before and after x-rays with the PAs on the left initially and the pan post-treatment show that there has been no worsening of the periodontal condition. My intention today will be to provide a takeaway pearl from each case to help the listener to treat open bites in a predictable fashion. And for this case, I particularly want to focus on, again, relative extrusion and the fact that it is a generally predictable movement with aligners when combined with equal amounts of expansion and retraction. Consequently, for this patient, uh, given her now stable occlusion and the elimination of her lower tongue posture, she has a much more stable oral environment than she did when she first started with us. So she currently has not had the restorations done on the upper two to two. She's a full-time retainer wearer. She's been very compliant, and I don't think uh, it's hard to match the aesthetics of the natural dentition. So thankfully, she has her teeth currently, and she's doing a great job. On to our next patient. This patient presented with bilateral condylar and symphysial fractures, suffered from a fall off of a bunk bed during a retreat for a medical residency. So she was actually uh, pretty lucky she had some doctors in the room. But um, she had suffered trauma additionally, as you can see, to the upper six anterior teeth, all of which eventually required root canals. She did have a previous history of orthodontic treatment and was told before that she always had an open bite tendency, but obviously the open bite was getting worse after her trauma for obvious reasons. Here's her pan illustrating the bilateral condylar fractures, some physial fracture, and again trauma to the upper anterior teeth. Here's her ceph demonstrating a high angle, high angle tendency and the open bite anteriorly. So the treatment plan for this young lady was to, one, close the open bite and to establish proper arch forms, but also to level the gingival margins for future restoration of the upper three to three. Of course, she was getting married in 10 months at this point, and she had asked me to finish her treatment by that time. I told her that that really was not possible, but I would do my best to at least level the gingival margins, close the open bite, and then perform an amylectomy, uh, or in this case, to reduce the composite of the upper left one and two to make them the same heights and size gingivally as the upper right one and two. If you'll see here, her method of closure, again, has to do with expansion 
and relative extrusion of the upper anterior teeth. She did have elastics worn from the upper left 3-4 to the lower left 4-5 to aid in extrusion of the posterior segment to close the buccal open bite. Something interesting and unanticipated happened for us, however. When the arch bars came off and she was not able to run elastics anymore, her bite was opening further. So if you notice, please pay attention to the lateral incisor as the centrals were restored. So she is opening up further here in the back as well. Thus, from that time, we decided we took her impressions to give her some Essex retainers. And off of the Essex retainers, we added some vertical elastic wear to give her some extra vertical support for healing of her condyles and for continued intermaxillary fixation. What was not anticipated, however, was that the presence of the Essex retainers in combination with her up and down elastics led to intrusion of the posterior teeth, and this caused bite closure anteriorly. So as you can see from here to here, her open bite actually started to close. We did not retake impressions. We just moved forward with uh, the aligners when they came back. We were anticipating that she would have heavier anterior interferences as a result. And here she is at stage 17. This was essentially before her wedding. So as you can see, we've had very nice progression. I went ahead and removed composite off of the upper left one and two, and she's currently in refinement to upright the lower incisors further and to allow her posterior dentition to settle in. But the point being here is that elastic wear with liners in up and down fashion, class one, is useful in closure of open bites when possible as they may aid in passive intrusion of the posterior teeth due to the thickness of the aligners. This may cause heavy anterior centric contacts, which would obviously be a welcome sign, but may need to be addressed later in treatment, possibly with a refinement to upright lower incisors, as was the case for her. Our next patient presented with a chief complaint of pain in his left TM joint. He had a previous history of orthodontic treatment twice, including extraction of four premolars. The patient subsequently underwent splint therapy and physical medicine for a period of six months in our practice, at which point he became asymptomatic. Orthodontic detailing of his occlusion was then indicated as a second phase of treatment, and he did not want braces, nor was he willing to have his wisdom teeth extracted. Invisalign was thus recommended, and consequently, we're actually finding that Invisalign is ideal for the majority of our TMD patients, as the presence of the aligners carries forward the effects of their splint therapy, where they make a much easier transition into orthodontics than they did historically with traditional braces. Here is this gentleman's pan and his theft demonstrating a high angle tendency and a class three nature as well. So the treatment plan for him was again expansion for relative extrusion of the upper anterior teeth. He also had a mandibular excess, thus lower IPR would be needed to prevent him from going into an underbite and further exacerbating the open bite. We were using also differential elastics, as you'll see here shortly, to help aid in midline correction and classification. But the benefit of Invisalign for this patient was immediate vertical control due to the presence of occlusal coverage on the third molars with the aligners, especially, again, considering that we would be using elastics for the duration of treatment. And here is this ClinCheck plan. Please note, again, that the method of this anterior bite closure involves expansion of the upper arch to allow for relative and some absolute extrusions. So what I mean by that, if you'll notice, the teeth 
here the upper right two and upper left one, they're actually coming labial as they're being extruded. So that is not considered relative extrusion, that's considered absolute extrusion. And I'm going to touch on that really on the next case to show that that is a predictable movement. But again, he is getting a lot of upper anterior extrusion and leveling of his gingival margins to close the bite. And on the lower, again, his mandibular two-size excess was addressed via IPR, and uh, that's allowing the incisors to upright and further close the bite down. And if you notice here, here's his progress. And we had a refinement here because his root ring angulations are obviously off. Extrusive attachments are not appropriate to upright roots. And if I was to do this check again, I would set up for vertical attachments once the extrusion was done. But regardless, we went ahead and did that in a refinement for him, added his vertical attachments, and had some further class three correction on the right side. And here is his finish. We were able to correct his bite closure with Invisalign, and he had a very nice aesthetic result. Here is his post-treatment pan. And here is this gentleman, Seth, showing successful open bite closure via uprighting of upper and lower incisors with excellent vertical control from occlusal coverage of the aligners. Even though third molars were present and elastics, were actually worn off of upper and lower second molars during the duration of treatment, which was roughly one year and eight months. And again, the take-home message from this patient is fairly straightforward, and that aligners are ideal for open bite treatment due to their occlusal coverage, and that the traditional mechanics that worry orthodontists, such as class two elastics and molar extrusion, are minimized if not eliminated with Invisalign, as this patient again wore differential elastics for the duration of his treatment. With this case, I would like to further demonstrate the concept of absolute extrusion. This type of extrusion historically was thought of as an unpredictable movement with Invisalign. However, with the advent of optimized attachments, absolute extrusion will occur with the liners provided that there is enough room around the teeth being extruded. So with this gentleman here, he had presented with no previous history of orthodontic treatment, yet he was adamant about not wanting braces. At the time of his presentation, roughly three years ago, this had concerned us as we had not attempted extraction cases yet with aligners, and we had strongly felt that in order to successfully treat his case, he would require a lower incisor extraction. Regardless, we decided to honor his request and pursued Invisalign with them. The patient also presented with a marked tooth size discrepancy, and this is demonstrated both aesthetically on the upper anterior by differing widths of the upper centrals and by his severe lower anterior crowding. Periodontally, he exhibited poral hygiene with anterior gingival recession on the lower and varying gingival heights on the upper. Here's his pan, and here's his pretreatment ceph, demonstrating a high mandibular plane angle with upright upper and lower incisors and an anterior open bite. Given the fact that the incisors are upright, we know that we're not going to be doing too, mu too much retraction for relative extrusion of teeth, so there had to be some absolute extrusion to close the bite down for them. So given this fact, we had to create space, and it was actually kind of a welcome, uh, a welcome fact that his upper incisors were of differing widths, because we will use IPR to reshape them and thus provide that space for upper anterior extrusion. We also did decide to extract the lower left two 
in order to prevent flaring of the lower incisors and worsening of the periodontal condition of the lower left three. And here is this ClinCheck. So again, he does have upper expansion occurring, but if you'll notice, he has IPR early in treatment to allow for extrusion of the upper centrals. And if you'll notice, the centrals even move labially, so they intrude a little bit before they're actually extruded incisively. And at the bottom here, just one more note, we did have him wearing elastics as well. So he was wearing a class two elastic on the right side and a class three elastic on the left side to control anchorage. Here's another view of the method of his bite closure, again demonstrating absolute extrusion of the upper centrals and relative extrusion of the upper laterals. You're also seeing a gable movement of the lower left one and of the lower left three to close the extraction site. And here he is at refinement. He didn't like walking around with that tooth. I didn't understand why I thought it looked very good on him, but regardless, we decided to go ahead and level the incisal edge for him and to recapture the case and to do a refinement at this point. So I went ahead and did an amylectomy of the upper left one, and we took our new impressions. And here is this gentleman's finish. Here are the before and after pans demonstrating nice extraction site closure and root parallelism. And here we are before and after. Uh, the steps are demonstrating nice anterior centric contacts with an increase in overbite and proper overjet. And here we are at the before and after comparisons. So the takeaway from this case is really that absolute extrusion is a predictable movement with Invisalign when there's enough space available. Thus, if absolute extrusion is detected on the ClinCheck, there needs to be visible space for this movement before it is initiated. With the following case, I'd like to demonstrate posterior intrusion for open bite closure. Now, by looking at this case, I think we would agree that she does not have an anterior open bite. But I also think it's reasonable to say that if one were to put braces on her, that she may pop open into an open bite, as you'll also see from the step here shortly. Thus, vertical control in her case was very and very important consideration for us. She's pointing to her bilateral TMJs as she did present with the initial complaint of pain. She did undergo eight months of splint therapy along with physical medicine, at which point she became symptom-free. Here's her pretreatment pan showing condylar changes from her TMD symptoms and her staff showing that she indeed is a high angle skeletal class two with upright upper and lower incisors. And here are her photos post splint therapy. So she is now posturing her asymptomatic position is in a class one canine position. And now we have to treat her to this point. So our, our most comfortable suggestion for her was to do orthopathic surgery, but she wanted nothing to do with that. The second suggestion was braces with TADS. And again, she, as Dr. Boyd mentioned, she avoided those two recommendations. So at this point, Invisalign was our only option, and she was very amenable to that. So our treatment plan was to treat her to this class one canine position via leveling of the curvus B by second molar intrusion and by selective intrusion of the lower anterior with IPR to prevent flaring of the teeth labially.
Here's her ClinCheck treatment plan, illustrating the amount of lower molar intrusion she is receiving. She is also, if you will notice, receiving quite a bit of IPR to prevent the incisors from flaring labially. Now, what we cannot anticipate here is that we know that we're not going to get complete lower molar intrusion with the actual clinical result. There has to be some relative extrusion happening here. But we were using the lower four, uh, four five, and six for anchorage to intrude the seven. And here she is at the end of her uh, ClinCheck treatment plan. And if we look here, I'm obviously not going to finish her here, but some things happened that we didn't anticipate. For one, she's interfering on the lower first premolar due to relative extrusion. So that is keeping her open posteriorly. But if you'll notice, please look at the significant amount of molar intrusion she did receive, and she is now class one at her cuspids. So what we wanted to happen did occur, and if you'll notice also periodontally, the lower right one, she did not get any worse recession, even though we did level the curve of speed quite a bit. Another reason for the opening on the poster I want to touch on here briefly is that she received quite a bit of upper expansion. And if you'll notice here, when you expand the upper arches, you are going to get relative intrusion because you're going to be tipping those teeth and not translating them, as, as is shown here on the ClinCheck. So if you look now at the photos, you'll see that the palatal cusp is dipping down and that the buccal cusp has lifted up. And that is a cause for posterior openings with Invisalign. When you have a lot of expansion, you should uh, always anticipate that. It's not a bad thing. It can be taken care of, as I'll show you here shortly, but it is something to look at. And so for her, we used her lower liner as a finishing appliance, and we had actually sectioned the upper liner distal to the threes to help settle those buckle cusps back down. And now here is her finish. Here is her pan pre- and post-treatment, and it even looks like here you can see the amount of lower second molar intrusion. Here's her ceph demonstrating great control of the mandibular plane angle and of the incisors during treatment. She did receive some upper anterior torque, and with the lower incisors, we were able to control her position. And here are her superimpositions. So again, we are seeing that's the second molar that's traced their intrusion of the second molar significantly with Invisalign. So in regards to open by treatment, what this case definitively taught me is that posterior intrusion with the liners is a predictable movement and that posterior intrusion should be used in our mechanics for closure of anterior open bites when indicated. Given this positive experience with posterior intrusion, I felt very comfortable using the mechanics for this case. This young female shown here presented with previous orthodontic treatment with extraction of four premolar teeth. Her chief complaint was of relapse and anterior bite opening with lower lip entrapment. At the time of her consult, we had diagnosed her as having lowered anterior tongue posture with a resultant tongue thrust. And as you'll notice, in the majority of my treatment plans, I do have speech therapy indicated. I really am uh, very adamant about our patients going through and seeing a speech therapist to correct their tongue posture as we need to eliminate the etiology of what's caused this for long-term results. In addition, for her case specifically, when we had ran a Bolton analysis, we had noticed that she had a maxillary excess 
of 2.7 millimeters. And this is very important information to have as it aided us greatly in closing down the open bite. Since we prescribed so much IPR, as you'll see here in a moment, on the upper anterior, we were expecting a lot of retraction. Thus, we needed to control anchorage. So she did have class 2 elastics in order to do that and also posterior intrusion to help facilitate anterior open bite closure. Here's her panoramic x-ray. And here is her Ceph. And again, this is demonstrating she has a high angle tendency. She's not quite there yet, but she definitely has flared upper and lower incisor teeth. And if we'll notice off of her ClinCheck, we are addressing the tooth size discrepancy via IPR. We are retracting and relatively extruding those upper anterior teeth. If you notice the posterior segments, this is a method that I've learned off Dr. Diane for posterior intrusion. We're intruding the lower five and six and also intruding the upper sevens to create a posterior open bite. When doing this method, I do request to see a visible open bite when using the mechanics at the end of the ClinCheck. Just like in orthodontics, some movements need to be overcorrected in, in anticipation of relapse, so Invisalign should really be considered no different. And here she is at a liner 17 of 25. She is uh, currently in Spain. She left the country, so I did definitely want to show her case, though, to you because of the significant two-size discrepancy that she had, and I'm going to touch on that in one moment. So again, if we look at her steps, we can see that the primary method of her open mic closure was upper anterior retraction. Here are before and after pictures, and uh, as I was touching on before, my final tip for open bite closure is to always know what, if any, tooth size discrepancy exists. While posterior intrusion was used for this patient, addressing the maxillary excess greatly benefited our ability to extrude the upper anterior teeth with relative extrusion and to close the open bite. And for our last case, I'd like to combine everything I've just discussed in presenting this young female patient. She again had a previous history of orthodontics. Her chief complaint was of TMD symptoms associated with the left TM joint and orthodontic relapse from lack of retainer wear. She underwent splint therapy with physical medicine for seven months, at which point she was asymptomatic. Orthodontic surgery was declined, braces with TADS was declined, and thus Invisalign was our only option. Here is our panoramic x-ray, and here is your Ceph demonstrating a high-angle class 3 tendency. Speech therapy during Invisalign treatment was recommended, and with the aligners, our goal was to have posterior intrusion of the palatal cusps in order to help her to close down anteriorly, and additionally, to address any two-size discrepancy, as she did have a mandibular excess but we split the difference by doing lower IPR to upright the incisors and also to anticipate buildup of the upper laterals at the end of treatment. And here's this patient's ClinCheck demonstrating all five concepts we've reviewed thus far. The ClinCheck is demonstrating intrusion of the upper molar palatal cusps along with intrusion of the lower premolars to create a posterior open bite for anterior closure. Please also note for this patient that the maxillary two-size deficiency was addressed by lower IPR to help upright lower incisors and maintain positive overjet and to allow for relative extrusion for open bite closure. We also, by doing this, we op opened up space around the upper laterals, and as we mentioned previously, you want to have space available before 
getting the absolute extrusion of the upper laterals, which you see towards the ending stages of the quincheck. The excellent vertical control offered from inclusal coverage of the aligners also allowed us to treatment plan class three elastic wear in case there was any auto rotation occurring forward from the posterior intrusion occurring. And this is this young lady at refinement. And at the moment right now, she is in refinement for upriding the lower incisors and detailing her posterior occlusion. But as you can see, she's had a dramatic change from where she began. And this is now a very easy case to finish. So in conclusion, uh, with Invisalign, I want to touch on the points we have just mentioned. Use expansion with resultant retraction and relative anterior extrusion to your advantage. This is a very predictable movement with aligners. Along the same lines, absolute extrusion is also a predictable movement when adequate space is provided. The occlusal coverage of Invisalign offers excellent vertical control for AP elastic wear. And additionally, up and down elastic wear may cause passive intrusion of the posterior teeth and lead to heavy anterior interferences, which would be a beautiful sign to get from an open bite patient. Recognize any two-size discrepancy to use in directing the mechanics needed for open bite closure, as seen in the uh, patient about uh, two slides ago. If you have a max three excess, for example, that information can be used to help retract the upper anterior teeth and help you get relative extrusion for open bite closure. So that information, again, is very useful to direct mechanics on where to prescribe IPR and to properly detail any case. And lastly, posterior intrusion. This is an effective movement with Invisalign and should be used on patients to help with open bite closure. Dr. Boyd did a great job on uh, covering retention, but briefly, in terms of my beliefs, we uh, do always recommend, again, we try to diagnose as thoroughly as possible, and if the tongue is indicated as a causality for the open bite, we send all patients to a speech therapist and also to get an ENT consult if we feel that the airway is involved. We do prescribe all non-TMD patients clenching exercises, uh, which are recommended by Jerry English, and essentially using the aligner chewies to bite down and hold on uh, in the posterior for about 80% of maximum force for five seconds and then release. And we have them do that exercise about 10 minutes a day. And then lastly, we do use, I agree with Dr. Boyd, Essex or Vivera type retainers for open bite patients as the occlusal coverage is helpful in maintaining molar intrusion and preventing the tongue from re-intruding any anterior teeth. I want to thank you for your attention. If you have any uh, questions, I know we kind of went through this uh, quickly. It was a lot of material, but you're always welcome to email me. And at this point, I'm going to hand it back over to David. Thank you all for your participation. We would like to thank Dr. Boyd and Dr. Moshiri for their excellent presentations today, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you.